The Growing Destinations podcast is brought to you by Experience Rochester. Learn more about Minnesota's third largest city, which is home to Mayo Clinic and features wonderful recreational and entertainment opportunities by visiting experiencerochestermn.com. We have so many stories to tell and connections with eagles are strength, symbolic, important. People, I want them to feel better and stronger because they've seen this this comeback of eagles. But I also want them to connect personally with something really good here and say, I agree, this is an important thing. We should protect it and revere this kind of animal in our in our world. Welcome to the Growing Destinations Podcast, where we take a deep dive into destination development and focus on a wide range of topics from tourism and entertainment to economic development and entrepreneurism, and much more. I'm your host, Bill Von Bank. The National Eagle Center in Wabasha, Minnesota, is the only facility in the country that has been designated by Congress as a National Eagle Center. I recently toured the renovated and expanded center in southeast Minnesota with its CEO, Meg Gamage Tucker. Meg says the center's expansion provides greater opportunity for storytelling and community outreach about the bald eagle, which is an incredible conservation success story. We're on location at the National Eagle Center in Wabasha, Minnesota. I'm joined by Meg Gamage-Tucker. Meg, welcome to the Growing Destinations podcast. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. You are the CEO of the National Eagle Center, and we're going to take a deep dive into this amazing organization and facility in your role. But first, share with us a bit about yourself. I'm originally from central Illinois, another small town, just like where the Eagle Center is located in Wabasha, Minnesota. I have uh, degrees in museum management and nonprofit management from Texas Tech University and Illinois State University. I came to the Eagle Center because I have a deep passion for conservation and education and uh, museums and nonprofit management. So it was the perfect fit of all of those things working together. The National Eagle Center has a long history in Wabasha, Minnesota. Give us the backstory and development of the National Eagle Center over the past few decades. Well, as most people know, the bald eagle was a highly endangered species. It is no longer considered endangered because it has had a remarkable conservation growing emphasis in our country. It's unique to this continent Um, So when people started to understand that the bald eagle was not reproducing effectively and they were no longer seeing bald eagles everywhere, people came together after the book Silent Spring was written by Rachel Carson and started noting that DDT was killing off eagles by making the calcium in their eggs very frail. And DDT? DDT was a pesticide that started being used during World War II It was used in all kinds of agricultural projects um, across communities, that kind of thing. The realization was not apparent that it could be hurting animals, let alone human beings. When it was finally banned, then bald eagles, who were the apex animal in that food chain, started to be strengthened again. Their eggs became very frail because DDT just kept climbing up through the animals that ate other animals to get to their, to be their prey. So eggs started being stronger again and more bald eagles were, were being born. As people started to see bald eagles 
on the Mississippi River again, locals in Wabasha, volunteer-oriented people, just community representatives said, let's share the story. Let's start having people who are driving down the river and seeing eagles be excited about the fact that they're coming back. 1989, Eagle Watch was created, and literally we had volunteers from all out around the area that stood out on the river and told eagle stories. It was uh, just within nature at that point. Absolutely. It was just in nature. It was just people driving by saying, wow, I haven't seen a bald eagle in my lifetime, or I've only seen one. I didn't know that they were coming back. Totally volunteer-driven. Had been in uh, place since 1989. We had a storefront on Main Street at one point. And then in about 2003, the community said, we need to really celebrate this great success story. And this building uh, that you're now in called the Riverfront Center was built in 2007 by local philanthropy and some national support and state support. It has been going extremely well. Our numbers are about 80,000 people a year from all 120 countries, all 50 states that come to hear the success story. What we also started seeing was the impact that eagles have on every kind of lifestyle. There are 67 species of eagles around the world. Most people just pay attention to the two that we had on this continent. (laughs) Bald eagles are only in North America, so we celebrate them significantly, but also As you are sitting, and I encourage all of your audience to come and visit this incredible collection, we were donated a 40,000-piece collection of art, history, and culture. And right now we are sitting in a gallery that has military and veteran memorabilia because eagles are everywhere. They are a national symbol since the beginning of the Great Seal was accepted in the 1700s. I'll tell you a little bit more about they're not our national bird, but they are our national symbol. And people started coming for that cultural perspective. And we also wanted to celebrate after conservation and American history, leaning into the fact that eagles are a spiritual partner of indigenous peoples. So we have a great partnership with the Dakota community, especially the Prairie Island community, that is just up in Red Wing, that is a huge partner of the center, and we celebrate cultural connections as well. In 2022, you completed the first phase of a $27 million renovation and expansion. Tell us more about that project. Before I came here three and a half years ago, uh, we had gotten a commitment of this Preston Cook American Eagle Collection, again, the 40,000-piece collection. We went to the state legislature, asked them for some support, that we would match with private philanthropy. The state gave us an $8 million commitment. Our commitment at that time was to match it with at least 9 to $11 million. When COVID hit, we had to rethink our strategy, and we wanted to bring economic funds into the community, into this region, both of southeastern Minnesota, but also uh, northern Iowa, western Wisconsin. And so we asked if we could split that money. The first part of the project then became updating all of our exhibits in this riverfront center, celebrating conservation, art, history, and culture, creating an outdoor amphitheater, creating a new dock that is three times the size of the dock that was here, and starting to do some work on historic buildings on Main Street. We have accomplished all of that for $6.5 million. That's impressive. The next 
piece of the puzzle is the remaining part of that 27 million, which really focuses on rehabilitation of national historic properties. And that will be where we house the majority of the Preston Cook American Eagle collection, focusing in the Riverfront Center on Native cultures, indigenous peoples, connections with eagles, research in the field, as well as ongoing conservation efforts. Is there a timeline for that? Everybody wants it done tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) We actually have started raising money. We are working with the legislature to get the other $4 million that was originally approved, rebonded. So keep your fingers crossed for a bonding bill of some type. And then we are already raising philanthropic dollars to match it. We're hoping to have it done in the next three to five years. That's great. You've already spoken about this beautiful collection of art. It spans history, sports, politics, and pop culture. Why was it donated and how significant is it to the overall experience? Eagles are an incredible conservation success story. There are still a number of eagles around the world that are highly endangered. We also have an area in the center that still focuses on potential challenges to eagle, lead poisoning, vehicular accidents, um, all kinds of things, turbines, that kind of thing that still endanger eagles. But what we wanted to do is expand the story of the significance of eagles in all people's lives. So this collection, which is basically a collection based on American history, creates a connection in all of those categories you said with the American experience in the last 200 years. It came to the Eagle Center because the gentleman who donated to us is from California. He liked this area. He liked the people of the area and said, I think you will do well with my collection. And then also... It creates, through the military history and the veterans' history, creates a wonderful connection with Native peoples. Because I don't know how many people know, but the percentage of Native veterans is higher than any community across this country. So there's a very deep connection with veterans' history in the Native communities, and we're trying to celebrate that as well. It's just amazing to see people walk in here and say, I never thought eagles impacted my life every day. All around you. All around you, everywhere. We have contemporary art. We have a wing in the gallery that's made out of a book. We have uh, medals. We have uniforms. We have posters. It's just, it's an incredible bit of Americana that people just weren't paying attention to. This is the only facility in the country that has been designated by Congress as a National Eagle Center. That's a big deal. How do you leverage that? We are working on that right now. Part of the reason that we did this expansion was so that we could lean into that relationship and be the National Eagle Center. We partner with other organizations that do raptor work. We partner with other organizations that do bald eagle work. But we know we have the capacity, because of that designation, to be a real education research resource. We also have a project called the Golden Eagle Project, which documents the eastern migration and southern migration of golden eagles, which most people think are a western U.S. species. So we are taking that designation very seriously. We are leaning into it and saying, how can we be relevant? We have visitors from all around the country but how can we be relevant to everybody who comes to us from everywhere they are? And that's what this collection 
the indigenous work, and those ongoing conservation stories are helping us do. Is there federal funding available? There is through grants. We are talking about uh, the city of Wabasha did get congressionally directed spending that we used a bit of to help build uh, part of our dockage. So we were thrilled to be able to get that. We hope to be able to go for some of that kind of funding, but we also know there's a significant amount of money in NEH funds, NEA, the National Endowment Funds, Institute of Museum and Library Services, and we're seeking grants to expand our digitizing our collection, caring for our collections, and being able to showcase all the stories that we have to tell. You briefly mentioned visitation earlier, and I just want to talk a little bit more about that because not everybody who comes here is local. Absolutely. 120 countries pre-COVID. We're getting back to those numbers again. We just really reopened last June. So it's, and didn't have any of the outdoor spaces going. So we now have classroom that will support 75 people for a program. We have an amphitheater that supports 200 people. And those are just for special programs. But every day we get at least 150 to 500 people that come to the center. They are from all 50 states, 120 plus countries. We are recognized via social media. We've had a lot of um, our social media posts go viral. We have communications from across the country and the world because we do virtual programming as well. And speaking of programming, I recently attended one of your Eagle Community Outreach programs in Rochester, Minnesota at the Mayo Civic Center. It was a fantastic educational experience for all ages. Is this a big part of your programming? It is. Historically, our programs have focused on our live Eagle ambassadors. We have four bald eagles and a red-tailed hawk. The reason there are ambassadors is they cannot be safely released into the wild. They would not survive for various injuries. So they have become our storytellers, our ambassadors. And it is amazing the shock and awe you get from somebody when they see a bird with a six and a half to seven foot wingspan. They don't weigh a lot, but all those feathers and that height and that beak and those talons, it's just an impressive figure. And it's a, it is an American symbol. So... Those programs have always focused on conservation, what an eagle is, why it matters, that kind of thing. The opportunity we now have is to expand. We're working with Prairie Island on Dakota stories with eagles. We are working on this collection of American history and culture to expand how eagles fit into that. It is a key part of what we do. We do outreach. We do on-site programs. We do virtual programs, work with all kinds of community groups. And I have to say a shout out to the Rochester Area Foundation that helped us fund some of those presentations that we did at Mayo Civic Center. So we thank you very much for letting us do that because the intention is we want to be available to every audience that can possibly come see us. It was a diverse audience there. It absolutely was. It was a great audience and it's exactly what we're trying to get. Meg, you mentioned that your eagles are flightless, so... Tell us more about why you can even have eagles here. Eagles are protected under uh, national regulations. It is illegal for anyone that does not have a permit to have a feather, have an eagle part, or have a live eagle. We are permitted to have education and exhibit birds. That means once they've gone through rehab, are non-releasable, we do a matching program where eagles that can be used for education and exhibit purposes are matched with our staff. 
and are have the comfort level of being surrounded by people. So we do that process. It's a very long process, but we have that ability because U.S. Fish and Wildlife has a permit system for us. We also have permits from the state of Minnesota, and any state that we take a bird to, we have to get a permit to take them in. You cannot transport them over state lines without those permits. And it's a lot it, of work. <laughs> it is. And in order to be able to care for an eagle, you have to have a staff person that has at least 300 hours of eagle care, specific to eagles, not just raptor care and management. And you have to be able to have all of the training necessary to protect that eagle with anybody else who's on your staff. So it's a very long, arduous process, but it's well worth it. And I have to say I'm very proud that we've been told that with our current team, our eagles are the healthiest they've ever been. The eagle population has made a remarkable recovery since being placed on the endangered species list. We certainly don't want history to repeat itself. What can we do to help ensure a thriving eagle population? We try to reiterate to people that anything that impacts a human being can negatively impact an eagle. We are the apex. We are the top of our species. They are the top of their species. And so anything, they are currently very damaged by lead. We are not anti-hunting. We are definitely not anti-fishing, but lead is very poisonous to eagles. So we encourage people to not use lead shot, not use lead tackle when they're hunting and fishing because bald eagles are fishing eagles. So if it gets stuck in the, in the animal, the eagle will eat it. A pinhead. If you look at an, uh, a penny, the nose, the tip of the nose on Abraham Lincoln on a penny will kill a bald eagle in three to five days. The Minnesota Raptor Center has documented that over 50 to 70% of the eagles they see on a regular basis have some kind of lead poisoning. So we want to get, lead's not good for humans, so let's get lead out of the system. They also, um, because of that big wingspan, and bald eagles are very opportunistic, which is why they've come back so well. They will eat pretty much everything, although they are fishing eagles. You see a dead deer by the side of the road or a dead animal, they will dive right into it if they don't have other food. But a seven-foot wingspan is really hard to get moving and get up off the, off the roadway. So we just encourage people when you're in eagle territory to drive a bit slower, be a little bit more careful I'm known for moving a lot of roadkill off the side of the road. (laughs) So, yeah, I have my shovel. I do that stuff. Um, But other things, you know, climate change is going to impact our birds. Anything that cuts down forests in Philippines is damaging Philippine eagles. So just be thoughtful about things that impact human beings. They may have a benefit, but think about the long-term impact for our environment and how people connect with that environment, because that will affect eagles. In terms of visitation, tell us more about um, your hours and and the experience for everybody coming to the Eagle Center. So we have, as you've alluded to, you don't have to come to Wabasha to enjoy the National Eagle Center. We are doing more things via social media. We're doing more presentations. We're going out with our eagles. In fact, I'm going to be up at the Rotary District Governor's Meeting in Brainerd in a couple of weeks just to take an eagle up there and connect with Rotary International because that's really important because that's an international organization. 
So we do outreach and we encourage people to be able to do that. If you come here, we have multiple galleries that you can enjoy. You can come to a program. We have programs two days a week, most of the week, but on weekends, three programs a day, some inside, some outside now that our amphitheater is open. We do special programs like our SOAR with the Eagles event three times a year. Our first one was in March and early April. We're doing one the 25th and 26th of June here in Wabasha, and it's going to celebrate, it's called Summer Splash, and it's going to celebrate um, things happening with live bird shows and that kind of thing, because we partner with organizations as well. So we have other organizations that bring in flighted birds, because our birds are not flighted. They don't have that capacity. And then we also do a lot of things virtually. Um, So we want to share more of those projects and more of those opportunities. So there are a huge number of ways that you can connect with us. But if in any way, shape or form, somebody can catch one of our programs, I encourage them to do it, whether it's here on site or online, because you can see the passion that the staff have for these birds. This facility is worth multiple visits. So you do have memberships, correct? We do. We do. We have great membership program and it's growing every day. And great staff working on it. We have uh, philanthropic support that we get from individuals, corporations, sponsors, foundations, and that's, you know, we are a nonprofit. So our survival depends on that growing over time. And the more members, the more support we get, the more stories we can share. What do you hope people will take away from a visit to the National Eagle Center? I really want them to walk away from the center feeling like they have a connection. That something in here, whether it's a live eagle, whether it's a program, whether it's a story, whether it's a medallion, whatever it is, they have an aha moment of, I didn't know. This is how this could impact my life. This is why this matters. We have so many stories to tell and connections with eagles are strength, symbolic, important. People, I want them to feel better and stronger because they've seen this this comeback of eagles. But I also want them to connect personally with something really good here and say, I agree, this is an important thing. We should protect it and revere this kind of animal in our in our world. Meg Gamage Tucker, it's been fascinating to hear of all the great work by you and your dedicated team. Best wishes on your continued growth. Thank you so much. We appreciate you being here and we encourage all of your listeners to come and visit and have a special experience at the Eagle Center. Thank you for tuning in to the Growing Destinations podcast. And don't forget to subscribe. This podcast is brought to you by Experience Rochester. Find out more about Rochester, Minnesota and its growing arts and culture scene, its international culinary flavors and award-winning craft beer by visiting experiencerochestermn.com.